nearly <laughs> now I'm gonna have a hard time talking. Nearly <laughs> forty. <laughs> Now I'm right now to read. I got this. Hate reading. So I got drunk with my sister the other night (laughs) and I was trying to explain something that happens when I get drunk is like, I don't know what it is. People, other people that I don't know want to write on my arm. That's my least favorite thing. That's something I really hate. I don't like when people draw on me. Okay. Do people want to do that a lot? I don't I feel like I feel like that happens often enough that I'm like, I hate this, but I, if I get too much uh, if I get too many drinks in me, I, I allow it mm-hmm. and then I immediately hate it. <laughs> so, so I was telling my sister that. So the first thing she does is start drawing on me. <laughs> sure. <laughs> because of course. Because that's just what she does. It's also my sister. And I'm like, well, you can draw on me. That's fine. <laughs> right. The rules, the rules are different. <laughs> the rules don't apply to you. You're very special. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I really want um, a tattoo that says, hey, presto, on my arm. So I, like, wrote it out. <laughs> but it was really terrible because I have awful handwriting. And I messaged it to Abby at, like, 1230 a.m. <laughs> That's not true. You have beautiful <laughs> handwriting. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I wrote, hey, presto, on my arm. And then I was trying to explain to my sister and her boyfriend why I love fairy tales. Mm-hmm. And I started telling our previous – bonus episode <laughs> yay excellent you t- you were trying to tell them the seven foals i was trying to tell them the seven foals and mostly just about that old lady who's really into coming here <laughs> she's my favorite fairy tale character of all time i'm pretty sure i wouldn't fault you for that one so if you guys need a push to join our patreon I mean, just that one bonus episode that Abby told me last week was so funny and so good. I was flipping randomly through the As Beyonce and Mo fairy tale book that I have. I came to a picture of seven massive horses tromping around (laughs) and, and being the horse girl I am immediately went, ooh. And it's so funny because like, the story itself isn't, I mean, it's pretty like a pretty typical fairy tale. Yeah, it follows a very conventional formula. <laughs> but, but the, the details yeah, are so, so weird. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I use that one to explain drunkenly why I love fairy tales. And I think it failed. I think everyone stopped listening to me as soon as like, let me tell you why I love fairy tales so much. Let me tell you about this old lady who just <laughs> likes combing people's hair, and that's literally all we find out about her. Yeah. Also, from our previous bonus episode, we also had a, a short conversation about Pirates of the Caribbean because I love those movies. Yes. Oh, and- my God. Those movies are so fun. <laughs> so I finished watching the fifth one. Or Okay. No, actually, I wanted to talk to you about the fourth one on Stranger Tides with the mermaid. Right. That's That's the Penelope Cruz one. Yes. Oh, my God. Penelope Cruz is so hot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Damn, she's mm-hmm. so good in that. God, she's good looking. <laughs> but I love uh, the mermaid side story. And I realized, because you had mentioned it, and I kind of forgot about it. They don't really explain how it ends. Like, she just kind of takes that super religious guy under the water, and you're, like, assuming, like, everything's fine. But uh-huh. I'm pretty sure she kills him. <laughs> Why do you think so? Because they were trying to tell us that she really liked this guy. So why do you think she killed him? That is a mermaid thing to be like, yes, I'm in love with you and then drown you. (laughs) That's fair. And also, like, they all almost killed her so many times. She probably wanted a little revenge. I'm just saying that's how I like to. And who could blame her? (laughs) And who could blame her? I'm all about mermaids killing guys. I remember I saw her like drag him under and I was like, oh, yeah, I got to watch and see how that ends. And then mm-hmm. they never showed it like nothing came of it. I I like your ending better because so I'm almost positive that was the ending. 
Yeah. I think that, I think that's better than what, I mean, I don't think they thought that when they were shooting it, but I do like your interpretation better. I think somebody was thinking that. Somebody maybe, but I think most of them were thinking about the end. Did you ever see Splash? Mm-mm, no. Oh, it's okay. You want a mermaid movie. I, I want a murderous yeah. mermaid movie. She's definitely not murderous. It was a 1984 rom-com. I just Googled it, but it Aww. starred Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah. And basically oh, Tom cute. Hanks finds this beautiful woman washed up on the beach and she doesn't really seem to know like where she is or what she's uh-huh. doing here. So he takes her home, you know, cause he's like a good guy, but he's like, he's like a super gentleman about it. And it turns out that this lady is a mermaid. <laughs> I forget I forget why she's on land. Anyway, it's like an entire little rom-com about a guy that falls in love with the mermaid. And then at the end of the movie, she like she cuz she can't stay on land cuz obviously people are after her to imprison her and stuff. Mhm. So she so they run to the beach together and he's all like, "Go, save yourself." And she's like, "Come with me." And he's all like, "Okay." <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is the correct answer. That's the right answer, Tom Hanks. And so she takes him into the ocean and he's like, he's he can't breathe, but then she kisses him and he suddenly can breathe. Oh, so and romantic. so they swim away together under under the water to go live with the merfolk. Mm. It's adorable. S- spoiler alert. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's still it's still worth it's still worth a watch. Um because totally like kidding. it's such a fun movie as I it's on Disney Plus. Stupid Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> We're just talking about how we should like stop talking stop about talking Disney. Stop talking about it. <laughs> and is there anyone more lovable than 90s Tom Hanks? No. Or maybe even 80s Tom Hanks. He was so cute. I think Tom Hanks at any time is the most lovable human. My favorite mermaid uh, trope, and I know Abby knows this, just mermaid anything. My ideal mermaid is the mermaid from Monsterland episode six. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's the perfect mm. mermaid. It's only like a 45 minute episode. If (laughs) I was really on and off on Monsterland, like I wanted to like it, but I just didn't most of the time. But that was my favorite episode. Like Monsterland episode six. It's what is it? It's kind of like Splash, except, (laughs) except, um, not. Except it's a real mermaid. (laughs) Watch it. It's so good. It also has some – I love horror movies with social commentary. I think they're so like – they are always have a lot of love put into them. A lot of thought mm-hmm. goes into that kind of story. So I love it. Watch it. It's so fucking good. <laughs> don't watch it with your kids. <laughs> don't watch it. With, yeah, no. I mean definitely don't watch it with your kids. <laughs> <laughs> Just like this podcast, please don't listen with your kids. Kids really shouldn't interact with us. This is the podcast for the moms who are reading these stories to their kids. And then you also want to talk to someone about what the fuck you just read to your kid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. Do you want me to tell you a story? (laughs) And now for something completely different. (laughs) completely different tell me a story please (laughs) i am so excited because i chose this story because i was on reddit which i recently um i'm on reddit i have not been doing that for very long and someone asked like what's a great game you love that has a fairy tale story or a folktale story or based on a Mm -hmm. folktale story and the first one that came to my mind was Never Alone. So okay. I decided to tell you the story of Kanuk Sayuka by Robert Nazareth Cleveland. It is an Inupiat story, and it inspired the game Never Alone, or Kisima Ingichuna, which translates to I Am Not Alone in Inuit. So this game is okay. fucking awesome. It's so beautiful, and it has such a cool history. So Never Alone is the first game developed in collaboration with the Inupiat. That's an Alaska Native people. Nearly 40 Alaska Native elders, storytellers, and community members contributed to the development of the game. 
So in this game, it's like a side scroller. You can play as a young Anupia girl and an Arctic fox as they set out to find the source of an eternal blizzard, which threatens the survival of everything they know. Ooh. So it's a side scroller game that you can play alone or co-op. So if you like to play single player like Abby... I love playing single player. I hate playing games with people. <laughs> Whenever I talk about games, um, at my husband Adam's like, you should ask Abby to play with you. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> she won't. <laughs> I could. <laughs> but she doesn't want to. And he just cannot <laughs> comprehend that. <laughs> like if I'm playing a video game, I want it like it's because I have carved out some alone time for myself. And I want to be alone now. <laughs> And Adam is the exact opposite. He lives to play with other people. And I'm kind of the same. Sometimes I like playing alone. Most of the time I like a partner. I've noticed (laughs) that most of the time the games that you're attracted to tend to be like multiplayer Mm -hmm. games. That's probably heavily influenced by Adam. Mm -hmm. But regardless. So if you play alone, you can switch between the girl and the fox. And Mm -hmm. both players have these like special skills that you need in order to finish the game. It's really fun. It's really beautiful. It's based on the story of Kanuk Sayuka. So there have been a few changes made to it. And the changes for the story for the video game were actually blessed by Robert's daughter, Minnie Gray, Mm -hmm. which is really respectful and wonderful. And what's so cool about this is the reason like they made this game, a huge part of it was to kind of keep that Inupiat story alive Mm -hmm. because a lot of these stories have been erased by colonialism yep it's a wonderful way and so as you play throughout the game there's actually these cut scenes of inuit people talking about why it's important to them and how excited they are that somebody wanted to create a game based on their story and like it's exciting that their kids get to kind of experience these stories in that way so bringing these were like really old stories to the 21st century Mm -hmm. and making them like interactive and Mm -hmm. and also just keeping the the idea of their culture alive. Spreading that knowledge to other people, which is super, super important. So in the game is absolutely gorgeous. I will post some screenshots on our Instagram, so make sure to check yeah. it out. And we'll also post the link to the game and the story in our show notes. Um, it's awesome. For sure, check it out. You can also like play it on your phone, I think, at this point. Yeah, because it's like a relatively simple side-scroller. Mm-hmm. I do own the game. I haven't I haven't played it yet, but I bought it a little while ago. There are some really hard parts. I'm pretty sure there's a polar bear that kicked my ass a lot in that game. <laughs> 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 that we had a really hard time getting past. Oh my gosh, but the game is so pretty. So um, a couple of things I saw from their website that I wanted to uh, relay was, while working to shape the story around Never Alone, the team has been blessed with the opportunity to hear a number of Inupiat narratives that have been passed down from generation to generation. So this is the story of Kanuk Sayuka, as told by Robert Nazareth Cleveland, and collected in the stories of the Black River people about a young boy and his journey to discover the source of a savage blizzard. So Abby... Give me three predictions <laughs> for Kanuk Sayuka. Okay. I have my predictions. All right. Suck them to me. One, the boy will encounter a trickster animal. Okay. Two, the boy must appeal somehow to the spirit of the blizzard to calm them down. Three, um, in a in a vague, in a connected way, the blizzard is a, an entity unto itself and is very personally agitated towards humans, and so that's why the blizzard is happening. These are my predictions. Interesting. Okay, I like them. I'll- so tell me how wrong I am. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the story of Kanuk Sayuka. It is said that a boy and his mother lived alone without any knowledge of anyone nearby. The son, whose name was Kanuk Sayuka, was old enough to hunt and had grown capable of many things. He was able to hunt, and there were many caribou. Thus was the life of the woman and her son. So one typical winter day, there came a great blizzard that seemed to last longer than usual. And when one blizzard would pass, another would come. 
With each gust of wind, a powdery snow blew in every direction. It would stop briefly and then become windy all over again. Hmm. So this, you know, makes it difficult to see in the blizzard. Uh-huh. So he, the son was unable to hunt. So they began to run out of food. Okay. And although Kanuk Sayuko was a good hunter uh, during the clear weather, the blizzardy weather simply was not a time to hunt. It was dangerous to travel at any distance, and all one could see was a mass of white swirling snow. I'm a little irritated with myself because one of my predictions was going to be that the blizzard would make it would make it like hard to see. Um, <laughs> that he'd be like effectively blinded by the blizzard. But I feel like that. <laughs> I'm, that might have been a little too vague anyway. But anyway, I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm interested. I'm listening. How old is Kanuksiuka supposed to be? I'm imagining like 17, 16, okay. 17. It's like a teen. Yeah. He's taking care of his mom. Yeah. But he's like yeah, old so. enough to go do the hunting. Uh-huh. On his own. Okay. So that's what I'm imagining. So Kanuk Sayuka waited day after day for the weather to clear until finally one day he wondered what could be causing this treacherous weather. And in saying this, he dressed himself properly and went outside. He walked facing the wind and began to walk upriver along the bends and steep undercut sections of the riverbank. Meanwhile, the wind blew the snow strongly in the blizzard. He continued his way up the river and he hadn't gone far when he noticed a spot further up the river that wasn't as blizzardy. It was rather bright and the weather appeared to be clear beyond it. Interesting. He approached. Yeah. So he's like, what the hell is this? Uh huh. (laughs) And I go over there. It was like, well, that seems suspicious. <laughs> slash <laughs> great. <laughs> <laughs> so he approached the spot and saw that for some reason, the blizzard seemed to be originating from a small tundra meadow. He looked around carefully as he walked closer to it because he was curious to know what might be causing it. So there's, there's something going on. He knows there's mm-hmm. like, he's, yeah. there's something happening here. <laughs> <laughs> this is not natural. Since light seemed to be filtering through the swirling mass of snow, he grew even more curious as he looked carefully around, and he found what looked like a person, a man, (laughs) apparently working on the flat tundra. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was expecting a fox or bear, but it's just like some guy. He's working, working hard. He noticed that the man was working hard. And he used something to mash the snow until it was loose. And then he shoveled it off the ground. And each time he did this, a gust of wind came and blew the loose snow in the direction of Kanuksayuka's home. <gasps> Rude. Uh-huh. He saw this and said to himself, so that's the one who does it. And he had found the source of the blizzard. So this guy is just like working in the snow. <laughs> You're kind of roughing up my life my guy like could you mm-hmm. could you cool it maybe on the snow hoeing that you're it's, doing or whatever and i love that they came up with this um with like a video game for this idea because even this interaction makes me think of like um super mario 64 where something really big is happening but something really small happening like yeah yeah the, on the like, other end that, <laughs> that this is just causing little ripples mm-hmm. or or th- that he's doing something relatively innocuous yeah. that is, like, dramatically impacting his neighbor. Uh-huh. <laughs> Worst neighbor ever. <laughs> yeah, seriously. He briefly looked at the strange sight, retraced his steps, and started to approach the man from behind. The man was working so hard that he wasn't even aware of any approaching strangers. Apparently, he worked this hard all day long with no thought of caution. <laughs> what is he working on? I think he's just plowing snow. Like, I'm not even sure what he's doing. (laughs) Like, (laughs) and it just says he's a man. Like, he's just. It's some guy plowing snow. He's a big. This is like the Paul Bunyan of of the (laughs) Nubiat. He's tossing things out into the ocean for Babe, the big blue ox to go chase. And it's causing tidal waves in Florida. Sure. I get it. it. Ain't nothing for him, but Kanuksayuka and his mom is bad news. (laughs) So Kanuksayuka went toward the man, walking closer each time the the shoveled snow swirled with the wind. Every time it calmed down, Kanuksayuka hid so that the man wouldn't see him. 
And this was the okay. manner in which he crept up close behind him. Why wouldn't he just like stomp up and like tap on his shoulder and be like, hey, I don't know. I'm your neighbor from a couple miles down the road. He's a big Could dude. Could you knock it off? He's a big dude. Kanusha a teen. That's true. That's true. That's Teenagers true. always have to make everything harder. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's a rule. You know, it is a rule. It's their job. They haven't really learned how to ask adults to like knock it off yet. So he had come close enough so that the next time there was a blizzard, he would have been able to reach the man when the man started to mash the snow again. He was a big man. After he had mashed the snow, he grabbed his shovel. And as he began to shovel the snow quickly into the air, Kanuk Sayuka ran toward the man's ads, which is basically an axe. Um, it's A D Z E. Oh, cool, 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 cool. Okay, yeah. So it's like a it's like a uh, a snow axe. Sure, you learn something new every day. I had to. Look I now up. know what an ads is. I also had to look up how to pronounce it because I wasn't sure. Also, I I genuinely apologize. I'm sure I'm absolutely butchering some of. I will be butchering a lot of stuff soon. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Kanuk Sayoka grabbed his ads, who the man had used to mash the snow, and ran off with it. Away Kanuk Sayuka went with the ads as the big man who shoveled the snow, creating blizzard after blizzard, followed after. Wait, hang on. Okay, so how big is this guy? Is he Paul Bunyan big? I'm imagining Paul. I mean, he's creating a literal blizzard with his ads it's got to be big, right? Then how did Kanuk Sayuka get his ads? Because his ads is probably equally sizable. He just grabbed it and ran with it. He's just fucking strong. He just got okay. I mean, muscles. muscles for days. <laughs> He's out here hunting caribou all by himself. He's pretty uh-huh. strong. That's fair. That's he's, fair. He's taking care of his mama. I mean, yeah. Okay. Okay. Fine. Just, you know, I just wanted to clarify a couple of points because, <laughs> I mean, if, if the ads is Paul Bunyan sized. Okay. Maybe he's not like, Paul Bunyan sized. Maybe he's just, you know, a big dude. He's probably okay. just big. That's all it probably says. Just it just dude. says he's big, but he is creating he, but a like blizzard. a human sized big. Mm-hmm. But he's creating a blizzard, which is he's, not cool. Yeah. So Kanuk Sayoka stole his ads and now he's running off. I get it. Yeah. All right. He's like, bye. And he's heading home because. Fine. <laughs> he needs, they need to eat. <laughs> it's very important. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> However, the big man saw him as Kanuk Sayuka grabbed the ads. He threw down a shovel, climbed up from the flat tundra and ran after him. But Kanuk Sayuka was too fast. The big man chased him without catching him until Kanuk Sayuka had successfully entered his home. And once inside, Kanuk Sayuka lay down in his bed. And it is said that he was situated across from his mother. He hadn't lain down long when he heard someone climbing on top of their house to the skylight. <gasps> Having oh climbed God. up to the skylight, the <sighs> big man could be heard to sing about Kanuk Sayuka. And this is how it went. He's... He okay. He is climbing up their house and mm-hmm. singing about he sings. him. That <laughs> that is creepy. And I will post the Inuit lyrics to this song. I'm not going to try to sing them. There is an English equivalent that I will speak, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I am sure that the actual singing of it by Inuit people is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I will Much- not attempt this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, what are the lyrics? But it and and actually even the English equivalent has some like words that I don't know, but it's like oh, I apologize to all <laughs> Inuit people everywhere. <laughs> and just all indigenous <laughs> people everywhere. Uh Sayuka ha nya nya. Give me my ads, ya ya. So that tomorrow when you go outside, you will find caribou feet. So I think he is basically saying, give me my ads and I will stop the blizzard. <laughs> okay. I mean, that sounded good to me. That sounded it's- like, you. okay, <laughs> I will make it so that you can actually continue sustaining yourself. Correct. <laughs> so I'm feeling that in typical teenage fashion, Kanuk Sayuka could have asked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
that's how I'm feeling. And the big man is just singing. He's yeah. not like okay. That's way rampaging. less creepy than I was thinking. Because like usually, if someone comes to your house and they're climbing on the roof and they're singing at you, it's because they're threatening to kill you. But that's different. This is different. I genuinely feel like Kanuksayuka probably could have just asked, but mm-hmm. probably being in very teenager fashion made it way more difficult than it needed to be. <laughs> and <laughs> it made this wonderful story. So it is said that the big man sang the song over and over again outside of the skylight. He wanted Kanuksayuka to return the ads that he had brought inside the house. And after listening to him sing all day, Kanuksayuka's mother finally grew tired of him and asked her son what she took from the big man. <laughs> what did, did you, you do, do exactly? <laughs> like, hey, uh, hey, kiddo, is there something <laughs> you want to tell me about? <laughs> there's a there's a big guy just kind of like hanging around who seems to want his ads back. Mm-hmm. Do She's we like, have it? Oh, did did you did you take something? Because I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like you took something. (laughs) (laughs) And although he heard his mother's question, he did not answer her. Mm -hmm. So after that, (laughs) again, typical teenager. Yeah. After that, he lay still for a while until he finally stood up. He then grabbed the ads and began to use it against the stones that surrounded the fireplace. And by hitting the rocks with it, he ruined the edge of the blade. And then he threw it out the skylight. What? He said he was going to stop. So. <laughs> he, this kid's doing the most and he doesn't need to. <laughs> I really don't feel like this big man is the enemy here. Mm-hmm. But the big man saw his ads being tossed up and out of the skylight. And it made him so happy he burst out laughing. And after this loud laugh, he was quiet for a while and then began to sing from above. And once again, he sang, Kanuksai Yuka Nyaya, who chipped the blade of my ads Nyaya, so that tomorrow when you go outside, you will see caribou feet. And it is said that he sang the same song, except he changed the words from chip the blade instead of give me back, which I totally don't understand. I really think you have to like understand Inuit to understand the song in its entirety. <laughs> it sounds like they're just explaining the lyric change, which maybe there's like a pun or some wordplay there mm-hmm. in in the definitely. actual the original language that we're just not getting. Yeah, definitely. But I love that he bursts out laughing. He just thinks that's so funny. That he, he chipped his blade? This guy's way too nice. He's like, you little, and then he scamp. sings this new song. Yeah, you scamp. And then he left and could no longer be heard. The end. (laughs) So it's just. Wow. (laughs) Like the cutest story. I love it so much. It's just like adorable. It's definitely about a teenager who just way overthinks. Way overthinking it. Like, I I feel like he literally could have tapped this guy on the shoulder and said, (laughs) hey, you're making a blizzard, you know, you down it, the like, road. Could you, could you blow it that way? Or yeah, <laughs> could you could you do this somewhere else? Or is there I a love- project you could I could help you complete faster? Like <laughs> I love this big man's energy though. Instead of like rampaging yeah. or getting upset, he just sings. And then eventually when he gets his ads back, he just laughs. Like he thinks it's hilarious. And he's like, oh you. Oh you. <laughs> Oh, you know what? I didn't I didn't have a fix for this story, but I love him so much. I want him and the mother to fall in love. And then that turns out to be. <gasps> oh, my God. And then he can be can, can Or maybe like his new, an uncle, <laughs> his new dad or uncle. I just love this man so much. He's got <laughs> such a good like energy about him. Got a good attitude. I, honestly. Oh, my God. OK, <laughs> yes. Fix for the story, because I was actually wondering why he didn't just knock and <laughs> then ask the mom. Yeah. Hey, I think your son stole my axe. Yeah. So in my version, he does exactly that, and they have a little meet cute. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. Maybe he takes over providing the caribou. Aww. In a very manly fashion. 
I feel like he's got such giant energy, though. I feel like it's almost like... Um, I feel like she'd be into that. Bugs that are bothering you, and you're like... <laughs> maybe not a meat cute with the mom. Maybe he just becomes their <laughs> scary spiritual guardian neighbor. I don't know. I love the meat cute idea. I think that's so cute. I, I want, think that's so cute. Again, with as most of these tales, I just want more backstory. <laughs> I want more information. That's, yeah, literally all of them. Um, amazing story. Um, hold on. Amazing story by Robert Nazareth Cleveland. And I just want more information. And I also would like to hear the actual singing where I didn't totally butcher it. I apologize to all indigenous people everywhere <laughs> <laughs> for even trying that. I feel very. <laughs> <laughs> I think he sounded fine, but it is like inherently a little awkward. Yeah, that is what it um that was like kind of the English translation from the blog from Never Alone, mm-hmm. uh, which we will post in our show notes so you can read it yourself and actually like see see it in its original language. It's a great game, beautiful story. Um and as I have a little um uh, a little footnote for this story. <laughs> so as you hopefully already know, the United States seized more than 1.5 billion acres from indigenous people between 1776 and 1887. Mm-hmm. And most of that land is held in trust by the government today, which severely restricts the rights of Native American people. So recognizing the original inhabitants of the spaces we occupy through awareness building and land acknowledgement is a very easy and very important step to take toward equity and a very small step at that. Mm -hmm. So there's this really cool thing. So I love museums. um, And one of my museums in my town had this flyer that was like text your zip code or city and state to this phone number and learn which native territories you're occupying. So the phone number is 907-312-5085. Go ahead. I'll wait. Text your zip code. Just do it. (laughs) Do it right now. And it's really cool. You can also go to the website, land.codeforachange.org, which I'll post in our show notes. Oh, I have it as native-land.ca. But anyway, but there's, yeah, I'm sure there's a couple. On the native land one, mm-hmm. you can do you can search by zip code, you can search by your city. Uh, you can also, if you have more specific information, you can search by uh, the territory if you already know it. You can search by language if you already know it, and then you mm-hmm. can also filter by treaty. Oh, that's fucking cool! Which is interesting. Yeah, it's awesome. It's just a really cool thing to know. You know isn't in our school systems as much as it should be sadly like just talking about the people that lived where you live the land you are Mm -hmm. occupying are now so i did that and i wanted to um talk about them a little bit which i've lived in chico california my whole life so i already knew this we both we both took a, a couple a couple classes where i think we learned more about the california trail of tears Mm-hmm. that was completely not talked about in our grade school education. I had, we had to we had to actually go to university to yeah. ever be told that California has its own trail of tears and that the land that we were occupying um had a really dark history with regards to that. Mhm. So it's really important to acknowledge and to talk about. Yeah. So I live on the Machupta Maidu land. And the Machupta was a village community formerly located on Little Butte Creek. Machupta oral tradition does not include a story of migration, but rather makes a reference to the beginnings of this world at a place known as Tugdoiko. I'm probably butchering that. I'm so sorry. It was here that a raft carrying Kodoyampe, Earthmaker, and Turtle first came ashore on the soft, newly created earth, and a large depression was visible there for centuries until leveled for agriculture in the 20th century. And what's really cool about that is one of my beat college professors was half Native American, and she... Well, and Dr. Martinez at Chico State was oh, my dude. I didn't have uh, Dr. Martinez. She was the dean of the anthropology department. We'll be oh, she was the dean. Yeah. Yeah. 
And she and I, I don't I don't remember if she was Machupta. I know I know she was I know she was Maidu, but I don't mm-hmm. remember if she was Machupta Maidu. Oh, that's so cool. I never had yeah. her in a class, which is really sad because she was which the is a bummer. Time. Yeah, I never I never took any of her classes. Like, yeah, she was busy. She was busy being, you know, the administrative leader of the department at the yeah. time. So I don't think she was teaching as much. While she we were helped there. me graduate on time. Thank you, Dr. Martinez. <laughs> she met with me, which I didn't realize at the time, like deans don't really meet with students to help them graduate. Not typically, but she was super nice. But she did. And she was so helpful and amazing. I absolutely love her. Um, And so basically, the area that they talk about in this is right in the middle of Chico State University, Mm -hmm. which is where we went. It's in that creek area, which is so interesting and also kind of sad. And rough. (laughs) (laughs) So I definitely want to make an effort to learn more about it. Um, And I think, you know. Everyone should do that. So I asked Abby to find out what land she occupies because she actually moved re- like pretty recently. I moved. To, I moved two years ago to the Baltimore area in Maryland, mm-hmm. and I, I looked this up on I looked this up on Columbus Day this year, and then I looked it up again. I used for for this episode, I used the Native Land uh, CA. Mm-hmm. website which is also which is also like a, a pretty great resource and they also when you look up your zip code it will take you to a map of your geographic area and then show you the territory of the people in in various colors and who occupied what parts of uh, the land on which you now live and then it will also if available give you links to the tribal websites of those people so it makes it really Very easy cool. to find the people mm-hmm. whose land you're living on and figure out where they are now, what their history is, and if they have any public requests of the mm-hmm. colonists living on their land. So uh, I live on the I, I primarily live on the land of the Piscataway Kanoi people, and they have uh, uh, historically been a confederacy of tribes under the premier authority of the Tayak, which in their language, I think means emperor, according to their website. And their confederacy extended between the western shore of the Chesapeake Bay to the watershed of the Potomac River in the area now known as Virginia. And so that that includes, you know, the Baltimore Chesapeake Bay area all the way down to Washington DC and then down into Virginia. So they had That's a, a very really large, large area. territory. Yeah, yeah, huge territory. They first came into contact with Europeans in 1608 and by the 1660s the English had become had begun encroaching on their villages in a really egregious way. Basically they signed a lot of treaties with a lot of English people that were subsequently immediately broken. <laughs> Sounds about white. <laughs> Sounds about white. No, absolutely. I'm, I feel like it's very nervous laughter. It's just very like, well, this is a very uncomfortable conversation. Yeah. And it should be. I don't think anybody should be comfortable hearing these words or saying them. Yeah. Um, this is very uncomfortable and very upsetting. But it's just the truth. But it is just the truth. And uh, so by the late 1660s, the Piscataue people or some tribal members of the Piscataue people chose to move to Pennsylvania, where there were still relatively strong native governments. Mm -hmm. And so they moved up to Pennsylvania, and then they became known as the Konoi. Um, So Konoi is the name that the Iroquois gave them. And so that's why they are now known as the Piscataue Konoi tribe in modern times. So their their full history wow. is on their website, which is piscataweconetribe.com. If you're interested and want to go learn more about them, they were only recently recognized officially by the Maryland government in 2012. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so their their official their official <laughs> government has has only very recently actually been recognized on their website it says thus reestablishing the historic government to government relationship that had been dormant in maryland since the 1700s yes that is wow. that's whose <laughs> land i'm living on <laughs> and um i'm currently investigating what they what they would like from the people who are living on their land if they have any um 
any honor taxes that they're asking for or if they're uh, trying to fund any particular causes or missions. So I will give an update on that at a future date. And another really great way to support Indigenous peoples is to listen to podcasts by Indigenous peoples, which I have one I know you all love. So I absolutely love this podcast. They are hilarious. It is called Metis in Space. They are so funny. They are. So they describe themselves as hilariously deconstructing the science fiction genre through a decolonial lens. Molly Swain and Chelsea Vowell drink red wine, which Mm -hmm. cheers to that. (laughs) From a tipsy decolonial perspective, review sci-fi movies or shows featuring indigenous peoples, tropes, and themes. They are fucking hilarious, and they are so incredibly smart and insightful, and they just have really important takes on, like, Mm -hmm. you know, things that, like, a non-indigenous person, such as I, is super important wouldn't think hear. of like yeah. i've you, i've you listened think to of. i've listened to a bunch of their episodes at this point because i <laughs> yeah. go through and i'm and i'm like and i'm always afraid to a little bit i'm like oh no <laughs> they did this movie i love huh. this movie and then yep. i listen to it and and there's and they're so funny about it they're so interesting to listen to they're hilarious You're they like, are charming they're so right and they're right <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Because they say things and I'm just like, and and I'm just like, and my feeling and I'm just, I can't believe I didn't see it before, but they're Uh so right. Yep. The hardest one for me, I think was um, the Futurama episode where the Mm -hmm. bugalos realm. Although that is one of my least favorite episodes of Futurama. I'm not going to lie. It's uncomfortable and like, um, and a bad take. It's just a bad take for not even not even just indigenous, but also Asian people mm-hmm. because of the Wong family. Like they just yep. obviously didn't hire any writers that were indigenous Mm-mm. <laughs> at all. Yeah, and it's it was hard. It wasn't hard to listen to. It was really funny to listen to, but also like like yeah, they fucked up mm-hmm. big time. And <laughs> I absolutely love them. They're so mm-hmm. funny. So for sure, just go listen to them. Um, it's Métis in Space. We will also link that in our show notes. Yes, absolutely. They're <laughs> they're very they're very worth a listen. The one that was most painful for me, yeah, was their Atlantis episode. Oh shit! The the Disney movie Atlantis: The Lost Empire. I did listen to that a one. A movie no, I that to. I love. So, and it's not that I don't still love that movie and have a lot of nostalgia for that movie, but yeah, listening to them watch it was so funny and also so um so completely true <laughs> it was it was wonderful i can't remember which of them is is this huge star trek fan yeah i'm i'm not sure i want to say it's chelsea but i don't I think remember it's, for i sure. think it's chelsea but i might be misremembering but she's a huge star trek fan and i feel like we could be really good friends based on that i love i love them so much they're so funny mhm oh my gosh Definitely go listen to them. It's all yep. sci-fi stuff. They're they're nerds like all of us. <laughs> they are our kind of people. They're absolutely our kind of people. I love them. Yeah. And they hate anthropologists. <laughs> but I hope that they would forgive us because we were just anthropology majors who decided not to become <laughs> anthropologists. <laughs> it's fair. Fucking go it's listen. Fair. It's so good. And actually, their whole network is pretty great. I listened to red man laughing a little bit. Um, a, a lot of it went over my head. I mean, I only listened to a few episodes, but red man laughing was like super funny. He's hilarious. Mm-hmm. So it's just like important to listen to indigenous people, mm-hmm. even if it makes you uncomfortable, fucking just do it. <laughs> yep. Go forth, seek out indigenous artists, seek out indigenous voices. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't just listen to the two white chicks telling <laughs> indigenous stories so if you love fairy tales and folk tales you have to love all of it you you have to love the people too Mm -hmm. and acknowledge that we have a really awkward history with with telling them that they're not allowed to tell their own stories Mm -hmm. which in recent decades we've we've reversed and said like oh why don't you know your language anymore 
Anyway, I'm devolving. <laughs> I'm devolving into like a ranting. Um, yeah, this episode is, this is our social commentary. So this is why we really started a podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I do have a very short story. This is a book that uh, Stephen's grandfather on his Choctaw side gave to him. Cool. And it's American Indian Myths and Legends, selected and edited by Richard Erdois and Alfonso Ortiz. It's a big book. There's a fairly diverse selection of native American tribes mm-hmm. in here with various various stories divided into subsections by theme. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the stories in here were taken directly from indigenous informants and then compiled into this anthology by uh, these two gentlemen. Cool, cool. I didn't Google them. I don't know if they're. I don't know if they're indigenous or not themselves. But yeah, it's it's always hard to know, even if you, even if you do Google them. Yeah, sometimes. But one of the stories, and I was delighted to find it, is this actually is a Maidu story. <gasps> nice. Oh my gosh! Really? Yeah. It's such a small community. I'm always like, like it's neat that it's in a book <laughs> yeah that there's actually That's a not story about recorded. <laughs> yeah 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 um but that it's just a collection of of um american indian folktales very cool <gasps> i'm so excited yeah it's very it's very short uh and then also i mean i also want to note that it's actually really hard to find first person or original source accounts for mm-hmm. northern californian indigenous tribes Mm-hmm. For these, because, and I think this isn't really commonly known. It is. It, 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 it isn't even commonly known among white people in California. Like, like I, like Kelsey and I were talking about earlier. We had to actually go to university to learn about a lot of horrors visited on the indigenous community in California, or any of them, or any of them at all. But especially, <laughs> but it's especially like buried. Like it was almost the closer to home you got, the less it was spoken about. Mm-hmm. So there are, there aren't a lot of Northwest United States indigenous folktales in this story because they're just harder to find because those groups were splintered horribly. They tended to be a little smaller in terms of organization. And many of these tribes actually still don't have official government recognition. Like I know, I know the Maidu don't, the Maidu aren't federally recognized as a Native American tribe currently. Mm-hmm. So it's so it's re- so it can be difficult to source. So I just think it's just really impressive that they actually found like a Maidu story and yeah. included it in this anthology. But regardless, this is the story of Tolawim Woman and Butterfly Man, which is a Maidu story. It's very short. It's four paragraphs. You may give me one prediction. Butterfly Man sounds like the best superhero ever. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what was it called again? It's called Tolawim Woman and Butterfly Man. Butterfly Man. So I'm using this based off of what I know about Northern California butterflies. Mm-hmm. I want it to be a story about the pipevine swallowtail. About that butterfly in specific, like maybe why it's that color or like how it came to be. That would be fun for me. But it also could be totally wrong. And it probably is. Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it, I want to be Butterfly Man. Uh, Yeah, you're already wrong, but it's fine. Okay. This is Tolawim Woman and Butterfly Man. And uh, just right off the bat, I I was not able to find a translation for what Tolawim Woman means. Um, From the context, I think maybe it means the village that she's from. But Mm -hmm. I I wasn't able to actually find a definition. So I'm sorry about that. So here is how it begins. A Tolawim woman went out to gather food. She took her child with her. And while she worked, she stuck the point of the cradle board in the ground and left the child alone. A large butterfly flew past and she started after it and chased it for a long time. She would almost catch it and then just miss. She thought, Perhaps I can't run fast enough because of this heavy thing. And so she threw away her deerskin robe. But still, she never could quite overtake the creature. Finally, she threw away her apron too and hurried on, chasing the butterfly until night came. And then, her child forgotten, she lay down under a tree and went to sleep. 
And when she awoke in the morning, she found a man lying beside her. Oh, Oh my. (laughs) He said, you have followed me this far. Perhaps you would like to follow me always. Oh. If so... I know. That's a meet cute. <laughs> that's a meet cute. If only she hadn't left her child behind. Yeah, that part's <laughs> that's less cute. <laughs> Story's not over yet. No, nope, right? not over yet. Nope. It's close though. <laughs> if so, you must pass through a lot of my people. Without thinking of her child at all, the woman rose and followed the butterfly man. By and by, they came to a large valley whose southern side was full of butterflies. And when the two reached the edge of the valley, the man said, no one has ever before come through this valley alive, but you'll be safe if you don't lose sight of me. Follow closely. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So not a superhero, a super Mm -mm. villain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Don't follow butterflies, y'all. Kelsey, if you wanted to learn a bit more about the butterflies in your area, they're trying to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) I, I could have guessed. They are very pretty. They're secretly very beautiful people who are trying to seduce you to no good. Pipevine swallowtails are like black, but when the sun hits them, they're blue. I've and they've got these those. bright orange, mm-hmm. um, like streaks on, like little circles? pips on their wings. I'll also post a picture of those. Yeah, too. they're so beautiful. Their caterpillars are also very beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I could see how she Gorgeous. could follow. I would follow. I would follow that butterfly anywhere. Not or judging. a man that has that same kind of beauty. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Or woman, just anyone with that. <laughs> anyway, they're in the valley. He says, you know, don't lose track of me and you won't die. They traveled for a long time. Keep tight hold of me. Don't let go. The butterfly man said again and again. When they come halfway through the valley, other butterflies swarmed around them in great numbers. They flew every way, all around the couple's heads and in their faces, for they wanted to get the Tola woman for themselves. <gasps> I know. Scandalous. Scandalous. (laughs) She watched them for a long time, holding tightly to her new husband. But at last, unable to resist, she let go of him and reached out to seize one of the others. Oh, shit. (laughs) She missed that one. And she tried to grab a new one, now the other, but always (laughs) failed. And so she wandered in the valley forever, dazed and lost. She died there, and the <gasps> butterfly man she had lost went on through the valley to his home. And now when people speak of the olden times, they say that this woman lost her lover and tried to get others, but lost them and went crazy and died. The end. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very what the fuck folk tale. Be very careful of butterflies in Northern California. <laughs> what happened to her child? <laughs> I don't know, and the story doesn't care. <laughs> who cares that's not the point uh the the footnote the foot there's a lot of footnotes on all of these various stories um this footnote says based on a tale by roland dixon in 1904 amazing that was a a great story i just want to know what happened to the child me too um (laughs) i think that the child probably got found by um, another person from her village and was raised by a much more responsible person. <laughs> that is my fix for the story because yep. everything else was perfect. <laughs> yeah, everything else was great. That is all. That was also my only fix of like, oh, wow, I hope that kid's okay. <laughs> Just, you know, if, this, if the child hadn't been in the story at all, it would have been a perfect folktale <laughs> mm-hmm. or fairy tale. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. I love the idea. I love the idea of like seductive butterflies. They are. They're so beautiful. They're, and very, wanna, they're very beautiful. <laughs> you want to follow them? They're mm-hmm. shiny. The sun hits them just right. And you're just yeah. enamored. And, like the butterfly and the butterflies <laughs> in Northern California are particularly beautiful. So I can really understand why this story was perhaps came about. Oh my gosh. That one time we had the mariposa butterflies migrating yes the butterfly migration that was so cool there were so many um oh my god it was hilarious because i don't know i love butterflies because they're kind of one of those creatures that you think are like fancy and you're like oh they're majestic but they're also really clumsy (laughs) and die very easily (laughs) Mm mm-hmm 
Oh, yeah. And the mariposa butterflies that came through. I remember, uh, I think I messaged you. I was like, wow, they're actually really unimpressive because you're imagining these really giant orange ones. And they mm-hmm. were just kind of muted, yeah. yellow, and like yeah. small. <laughs> Scr- like they were scrawny, dull yellow butterflies. <laughs> they... They actually really didn't compare to the spe- to the to the species of butterfly that we just kind of have around anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm unimpressed. <laughs> I, it was a very un it was I don't know, it was a little disappointing. Oh, <laughs> Honestly, man. Was, the butterfly migration. I which is reminding me that. that at the time of this recording, we're recording in uh the first week of May. Mm-hmm. And I am awaiting I am awaiting the swarm with great trepidation (laughs) of a much less cool form of biological insect magic. Mm -hmm. I'm very upset. I don't want to be here for this. The mosquitoes? No, no. Oh, do you like, do you not know? Do you not know about the swarm that comes to Maryland every 17 years? I do. Oh, 17 years. Is that Pennywise? No, no, that's 30 years. God, that would almost <laughs> be better. Um, no. What is no. the swarm? The swarm is the bro- like a, a specific breed of cicadas uh, okay. called Brood X. <laughs> buries themselves in the soil and hibernates for 17 years in oh nor- in the northeastern United States. But concentrated specifically in Maryland. (laughs) And every 17 years, they emerge from the ground to have a sex fest. Yeah, they do. Like they like they waited they go 17 years just bananas on each other for a couple <laughs> weeks. It's supposed to be loud as shit. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to record because it's supposed to be so loud you can barely hear yourself talking if you're outside. I can't wait for you to experience well, they this. Fuck. <laughs> They waited 17 years, Abby. They deserve this. I know. I'm just, I'm trying I'm trying not to begrudge them, but just try to be happy for them. May is when it's actually nice here before we descend into mosquito-filled June mugginess. But instead, it's going to be filled with cicadas. I'm not going to be able to hear myself think. And they're and they're also really stupid. Like they won't they they don't they won't bite, but they don't fly very well because they've been in the ground for 17 years, so they just get in your hair and try to fly into your clothes and like they're hit the window. Too. And they're just, big ugly I just googled what they look like. Cause I'm like I hear I hear them, but they're always like up in treetops, right? I don't want them. Um, so yeah, they ugly. usually go into treetops, but but there's going to be so many of them, and <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it. it. They're supposed to they're supposed to emerge this week because it's finally been warm enough. Okay, you definitely have to post some. <sighs> I'll take some pictures, some stories or whatever. I'll take some I will take some pictures of the cicadas and I will They're also so take some ugly. pictures of me being very upset. They've got these bright orange derpy eyes. Yeah. I hate I just like I'm <laughs> I don't want to be here. <laughs> I just want to have some for sex. This. Why did I move to Maryland like just in time for the swarm? <laughs> it only happens every 17, 17 years. years. That's weird. Awesome. I, yeah. Anyway, so that's happening and I don't want it. And I missed the butterfly migration because that was at least um, prettier. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Fairy Tale Fix. If you enjoyed the show, which we hope you did, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple or Stitcher. But mostly subscribe. That's the big one right now is hitting that subscribe or follow button. Please, oh, please. Yes. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, You can also get extra episodes, merch, books, and other bonus content if you sign up for our Patreon on fairytalefix.cash for, you know, just about what you'd pay for a latte a month, which I buy at least 30, so. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) 30 lattes a month. So you could cut that down by one (laughs) and give it to us instead, and we'd be super grateful. We would love you, but we love you anyway. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Fairy Tale Fix Pod. 
And please email us your favorite fairy tales, your favorite folklore, nursery rhymes, and other such things at info at fairytalefixpod.com. You could end up on our listener tales episode. And the big man with the ads had a meet cute with Kanuksa Yuka's mom, and he became like a father figure and our uncle figure and just released great giant energy <laughs> into the world. And we thank him for that. We do. Thank you, giant man. And the Tolawim woman still dies in the Valley of the Butterflies, as she so richly deserves. But her child definitely is picked up by a much more responsible parent and is taken back to the village and grows up healthy and strong and happy. And they all lived happily, happily ever, ever after. after. <laughs> the end. The end. <laughs>